Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. A package from who? From Debbie? I don't know. Oh. Hey, Gav, maybe you should open that outside, buddy. The following podcast contains... We're going to talk today about profanity. What I've found in my walk with the Lord is that the spirit of profanity is running rampant throughout the world. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you placed that order at Debbie Wasserman Schultz's Etsy shop last week, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, October 26, 2018, after the bomb subside edition of the show, where we talk about the special delivery to Democrats mailboxes that's been going on all week. Stay tuned. What the hell are you thinking podcast is brought to you by Bob's Bomb Disposal. Someone set you up the bomb? Call Bob's Bomb Disposal. Our fast, efficient, skilled, explosive ordnance disposal technicians will arrive at your political headquarters, broadcast center, or post office to find, defuse, remove, or failing that, detonate the bomb safely with a minimum of mess and no casualties. Big bombs, little bombs, pipe bombs are finely crafted wooden masterpieces. We've seen it all. Our veteran EOT, EOD techs spent years in Afghanistan and Iraq and literally have seen it all. As society falls apart all around us and fanatics live out their masturbatory Fox News fuel fantasies, isn't it good to know you've got your own personal bomb tech on call? Bob's Bomb Disposal. We keep the boom out of your room. I'm thinking we should cut the blue wire. Hey, wait! What? That's not what I'm thinking. What? Do you think maybe the red? No! No! I'm, I'm thinking that it's eight minutes and 42 seconds. We can go upstairs, wait for the bomb squad. I have a cappuccino. The bomb squad never gets here on time, okay? Anyway, it's eight minutes and 31 seconds. Raj, please. I, f- forget the cappuccino. You know what they're going to say? Uh, yeah, they will say, Riggs, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. That's right. But after that, they're going to say, let's cut the blue wire, which I'm going to do right now, Raj. Hey, hey, wait, wait, Riggs, wait. What? How can you be so sure? Oh, it's just a hunch. You're playing a hunch. Hey, remember the bomb under your toilet? Oh, shit, how can I forget? Red wire, blue wire, same thing. This is more simplified, though. A bit more powerful, but more simplified. I really, from where I was sitting, I couldn't see. Yeah, forget it. Come on, Raj, trust me. Hey, I'm sorry, I trust you. No, I guess not. Well, I'm cutting the red wire, okay? Help! Oh! What? What? A minute ago, you said blue. Honestly, I had no intention of doing this show. I would Finished part two of the Spooktacular on Thursday. All the drops were recorded. Gavin was all set to head to the liquor store for my show bottle. We think you need professional help. And it was a lovely show. It still is a lovely show. I will probably record it later on this weekend, assuming we don't get a package from Debbie Wasserman Schultz here at the office at our CarLart studio here in Howard Beach. But something happened early Friday morning to let me know that I had to address this little situation we've got going on with, you know, the... A bomb? No, not a bomb. A bomb. What had happened was, 
I posted an Onion article in my Facebook fecal stream about Chuck Schumer being so shitty at his job that he doesn't merit a visit from the MAGA bomber, which was just a cute little name we were calling this guy before we knew who the fuck he was. And no matter what uh, we thought at the time, we knew he was definitely a fucking guy. Anyway, I've really tried not to be so political on my Facebook fecal stream, which is the primary conduit for all the stupid universe, for all that is stupid in the universe, but also my uh, focal point of contact for my family since I, I don't want to talk to them on the phone. But you didn't have to call me here. Don't you know where I am? A response to my lighthearted post was issued by a member of said family pirating back some dirt something from the right wing dirt squad of the GOP's propaganda on the bombers. You know, the one where they just decided it's all a left wing plot to gin up votes in the midterms, which are just a few days away. Once I wrote and deleted several cutting responses to this EDC and replied with a plain and simple statement of the truth that we that until we know who sent the bombs, we shouldn't speculate and assiduously should avoid engaging in conspiracy theories. I sent that polite reply back and got the fuck off of Facebook before I started another one of the endless social wars that plagued my family and me. I uh, felt good about that because, you know... We call this fucker the MAGA bomber for a reason. Let's begin with what we know. On October 22nd, a package was opened by a staff member at George Soros' home just outside of New York City. Inside that package was a... A bomb? No, not a bu- a bomb. In the form of a single PVC pipe wrapped in tape with wires connected to a single battery. The staff member fled the area, called the cops, and presumably they also... I think I shit myself. As one does when one finds a bomb in a package. For the rest of Monday, the media reported the story is just one of those things that happens when a major political party, including the president of the United States, who was a member of that party, and his state-run propaganda outlet, routinely demonizes someone with an anti-Semitic dog whistle attack, as they do with, you know, George Soros. It happens all the time. It's cool. On Tuesday, October 23rd, the Secret Service intercepted a secret device addressed to Hillary and Bill Clinton in their home at Chappaqua, New York. That took a turn. Eyebrows were raised, column inches were written, and people began to wonder if the two might not be related. I mean, here was yet another person that a major political party, including the president that belongs to their party and his state-run propaganda outlet, routinely demonizes and threatens in a long-running campaign of disinformation and outright lies. By Wednesday the 24th... Oh my god, shit got real, shit got real, shit got real! When the Secret Service intercepted a similar device sent to Barack Obama's home in Washington, D.C., John Brennan, the former head of the CIA, also received a device, care of CNN in New York City. By the way, Brennan doesn't work at CNN. Never has. He's on MSNBC. Also receiving devices that day were former Attorney General Eric Holder, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who used to be the chairman of the DNC, and Congressional Representative Maxine Waters, who received two bombs, all of whom, for some strange reasons, are routinely demonized by a major political party, including the president of that party, and a state-run propaganda outlet in a campaign of disinformation, outright lies designed to stir up his far-right base against them. Probably just a coincidence. By Thursday, October 25th, Robert De Niro and Vice President Joe Biden received packages from the, the MAGA bomber when persons across the... Or that's what we were calling him by that time, because... You know, when you've seen who was getting the bombs, you either have to be brain dead or a constant Fox News watcher. Is there a difference? 
to not see why. By today, October 26th at 10.30 a.m., as this script was going to page, Senator Cory Booker, Senator Kamala Harris, Obama Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, all joined the list. Booker's president was founded a post office distribution in the center in Florida, and Clapper at a similar postal facility right here in New York City. But I think it is a gift from that postman. And by 4 p.m., Yet another device was found, one intended for billionaire activist Tom Steyer. Around 11.30 Eastern Standard Time, federal authorities took into custody a 56-year-old Florida man, Caesar Sayok, as the alleged perpetrator of the bombing wave. Also seized was a white, full-sized van plastered with right-wing shitbird stickers. You know the kind? It's like Rush Limbaugh had explosive diarrhea on a car. Sayok's social media is also filled with a sort of predictable right-wing Russian-generated memes and racist claptrap that lets one know exactly the kind of person they're dealing with. A full-on Fox Fuel fuckwit. When I see a guy like that, I just automatically assume he's making a bomb somewhere. From the Washington Post, the suspect has been identified as Caesar Sayox, 56. According to a law enforcement official, state records show that he has a criminal record dating back decades, including a past arrest for making a bomb threat. These run-ins with law enforcement date back at least to an arrest for larceny when Sayak was 29 years old, according to other state records. Other charges of larceny, grand theft, and fraud followed across the southern part of the state. In 2002, the Miami police arrested him for a bomb threat, a felony. Sayak pleaded guilty without a trial and was sentenced to probation records show, unquote. There are a lot of things we still need to learn about Sayok. Most of all, is he an actual guy? Is he the actual guy who did this? Despite my personal opinions, driving a van covered with a batshit political slogans and shitposting memes spread by, spread by Russian propaganda on social media do not necessarily make one a bad bomber, a mad bomber, but they definitely increase the likelihood you actually are. But alone, they don't constitute proof. Are there more bombs out there in the mail? Is he working alone? Can this guy even spell CNN? I mean, I've taken a good look at the guy. I wouldn't want to put any money on him. These devices, none of which have detonated or injured anyone over similar construction to the Soros device, PVC pipe filled with gunpowder and glass shards sealed with tape connected to some wires and a battery. All arrived in similar manila envelopes with common postage stamps, and the bombs found on Tuesday had the return address of Debbie Wasserman Schultz's office in Florida. The addresses also contain multiple spelling areas, multiple errors, including the spelling of common names and, you know, locations. Not surprised there. These are the facts that we know as of the 26th. By the time you're hearing this, who knows what the fuck's going on. But you know what? It didn't take long for the fringe fuckery on the right to do what they always do when something like this happens, immediately claim that it didn't. As the evidence became incontrovertible that real bombs were sent and were being found and investigated by law enforcement, they switched to standard right-wing narrative response number two. The bombs were real, but they were being sent as a false flag operation by liberals to make it look like some right-wing shitbag was sending bombs to prominent Democrats. And there it is. When the facts are against you, pretend the facts are fake. From the New York Times, quote, By nightfall, as more explosives were discovered, addressed to rep Representative Maxine Waters, a California Democrat, 
Eric H. Holder Jr., and Attorney General under Mr. Obama, the fact-free explanation had gelled. The bombs were props planted by Democratic operatives and amplified by a biased liberal media. A woman arrived at a debate with the two candidates for Florida government, Ron, or Governor Ron DeSantis and Andrew Gillum, with a sign that read, Democrats fake news, fake bombs. Lou Dobbs, the Fox Business host and confidant of President Trump, echoed that line in a tweet that he later deleted. Within hours of the first bomb's discovery, conservative media figures were openly speculating about the true motives of the behind the campaign. Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, Michael Savage, and other high-profile commentators flocked to an alternative narrative that explained the targeted threats to top Democrats without blaming those Democratic political opponents. Hey, let's listen to Michael Savage rant on about it. Uh, uh, are you really saying that they're sending bombs to themselves? Are you that? I'm saying it's a high. I say I will repeat it's a high probability that the whole thing is set up as a false flag to gain sympathy for the Democrats. Number one and number two to get our minds off the hordes of illegal aliens approaching our southern border. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I really hope that most of your audience doesn't buy into that because it's just that it's so far off the edge. It's irresponsible. It is, and they do. The second the arrest was made, the narrative immediately changed to suggest that Sayoc was a plant because, and I'm not making this up, the derpy-ass stickers on his van were too neatly placed and not faded enough to be real. Honestly, I wonder if these fuckers have some sort of manual they go to in this situation. It's an Alex Jones primer on propaganda or something they all sleep with under their pillow next to their pocket constitution and the cum-stained photo of Dana Loesch. Their underlying logic to their claim is historically bombing is a tool of the left let's examine this for a second because you know i gotta fill some space before i ran at you towards the end of the show i went back to 1960 and started looking at the terrorist bombing incidents in 1960 an unknown person called the sunday bomber detonated a series of bombs on the subways and ferries around New York City, killing one and injuring 51. Starting in 1969, a string of bombings by actually by domestic leftist groups began that even included a bomb in the Capitol Rotunda. The major players of the 60s and 70s were a Puerto Rican separatist group and the Weatherman, an offshoot of the anti-war student movement that radicalized in the late 1960s. Both groups tried to avoid casualties, planning their devices when the targets were likely to be empty, and phoning in warnings well in advance of the bomb's planned detonation. It didn't always work. And people did die, but largely only property was damaged. By the 1980s, international terrorism had largely replaced domestic terrorism in the bombing game. Although the Senate was bombed in 1983, 1983 by a response from a group who was mad about the invasion of Grenada. And that was pretty much the last domestic terror incident associated with the left. Because in 1990, the right took over. What? Who? What did you say? Oh, yeah, starting in the mid-1980s and definitely by 1990, it was abortion clinic dominance and good old Timothy McVeigh who dominated the domestic terror scene. Sure, the Unabomber was out there, but his politics were murky, borrowing elements for the left and right. But hands down, since the 1970s, if a bomb went off in a political context from a domestic terrorist, it was a right-wing fanatic, not left-wing. Does the army of God ring any bells with you people? 125 this morning, thousands of revelers at an open-air rock concert in Centennial Park. All of a 
sudden I felt a big boom a blast. Heat came and then it knocked me off the wall and blew my pants off here. Move up the Authorities said the device appeared to be a pipe bomb loaded with nails and screws designed to penetrate human flesh. More than 100 people have been injured. Two are dead. Eric Robert Rudolph, member of the right-wing domestic terror group Army of God, blew up the Centennial Park and the Olympics in Atlanta in 1996 and then went around blowing up gay clubs and abortion clinics. He did eventually kill two and injured over 120. In the past 10 years, a pipe bomb, in the past 10 years of this deck, of this millennia, this, in the 2000s, a pipe bomb was found in an MLK march, and of course, there was that whole Austin bombings, all of the, both of whom had ties to right-wing groups or persons espousing right-wing ideology. So you want to tell me again how it's the leftists that only send bombs there? Is it remotely possible? That this is a left-wing operation designed to throw suspicion on the right? Well, maybe, I guess, if you... you know, I mean, all the targets were kind of detested by the far left as being neoliberal shills for the corporate machine. Curtis considered if you were super crazy leftists. Traitors. But when you weigh the preponderance of the evidence, I'm going to come down on the side of the bomber wearing a red fucking hat and spending a lot of time listening to Rush Limbaugh, okay? I spent years working a bomb-sniffing dog, which in no way makes me an expert on bombs, bombings, or bombers, but it gave me one hell of a incentive to learn a little something about this for a very simple reason. I don't want to die! I don't want to die! And what I learned is bombs are not just a way to kill people. In fact, domestic terrorism, the death toll from bombs are surprisingly low. Oklahoma City being the notable exception. If you want to kill people, you can kill people a lot faster and a lot more effectively with a gun and a high vantage point. Oh yeah, remember Las Vegas this time last year? You don't remember that because no one remembers this shit. But what you probably don't know because it didn't make the news is the guy that shot over 600 people and killed over 50 had a lot of fucking right-wing bullshit in his social media. You didn't hear that, did you? Look it up. If you are sending a bomb, you are trying to send a message. This is a bottle with a message in, and the message is... Beware. You want to inspire fear, to inspire terror. You want people to know what you've done. The Unabomber had a very specific logic to his target. Admittedly, his logic was only existed only in his brain, but it was logical to him. People who send bombs want to make you fear them first and kill you second, if at all. That is what terrorism is all about. And a lot of right-wing shitheadery will spin out about, oh, the bombs didn't work, as if that has if that was something to be happy about. Yay, no one blew up. He was a very bad bomber. People will say that it was all a prank, that it went too far, but from what we know, they all contained live explosives and glass shards, and that shit isn't a fucking prank. It's a goddamn... A bomb? No, not a bu- A bomb. Far more likely that Jim Bob just couldn't follow simple fucking instructions on how to make a pipe bomb that works, which isn't hard. I mean, I got eight or nine of those things lying around here working right now, and I've tested them. They all work just fine. I mean, that that that's what I heard, that it's re- really easy to make one is all. Gavin, edit that part out. This dipshit is the classic profile of a lone wolf terrorist. He's a lone wolf because... Because no one will miss an inconsequential piece of flotsam like him. 
I mean, other shithead Trumpers probably can't stand this guy because we all know that one guy that's way too into the thing you all like. And when he comes around your group, he dominates the entire conversation with his opinions about whatever the thing is you're gathering for, whether it's right wing politics or your Dungeons and Dragons game. There's always that one guy that takes it too far. Either he's sending out bombs to politicians or rolling to seduce every goddamn thing he meets in the dungeon. It is physically impossible to seduce a gelatinous cube. Stop trying to do that, Reginald. You're a freaky-ass perv. Where was I? Oh, yeah, sorry. Long Wolf. Sayok, with his long criminal history, his history of domestic violence, a previous pinch-on for bomb threats, he's a self-radicalizing machine. And when 50-year-old conservative white guys from Florida radicalized, they're not going to be throwing their bodies on the gears of capitalism. They are watching Fox fucking news, mainlining Trump's Twitter while stroking their tiny withered pud to Breitbart. If he was 17, he'd shoot up a school. He's 56, so he sends bombs to George Soros. As I sit here on Friday evening, I can't tell you for certain that the MAGA bomber went full domestic terrorist because of the exact words Trump said or even pinned the blame on Sean Hannity. These fuckers aren't ISIS, ISIS putting up sweat pages for sad, depressed Muslim kids, but they're sure as fuck connected with a red fucking line of yarn when you pin the dipshit on the bulletin board. You can't pump the kind of shit they do into the atmosphere and not expect someone to take it to the extreme. The last time the right played this game, they got Timothy fucking McVeigh, and he blew up a federal building and killed babies. This time, we got off fucking light. We won't always be so lucky. Because mark my words, pod friends, this rhetoric will not stop. Even as I record this, some other fat 50-ish fucker is sitting behind his microphone, ranting about the evil false flag operation to keep the sheeple from discovering how George Soros personally drove to Plantation, Florida, God, sometimes I wonder if irony is actually a god with a sixth sense of humor and put the fucking stickers on the guy's van. And this, we'll call him an anti-Dave, is feeding his tiny audience with all kinds of lies and conspiracies. And they're heading out to Twitter or Reddit to parrot his words to other right-wing morons. And it'll slowly trickle up the stream until it hits right-wing radio from and from there to Fox News. And then there, it'll go straight into the tiny brain of the current occupants who will shit it back out of the mainstream media who will shake their heads and tell people he's lying, causing people like my mom to write comments on my Facebook post, repeating the bullshit that anti-Dave said on his podcast, which is heard by 19 people. You know, you guys who are listening to me could could learn a little something from anti-Dave's listeners here. Sorry, sorry, that, that's just some shit that I was thinking earlier today. Sooner or later, someone who knows how to build a working bomb, a bigger bomb, will hear this anti-day bullshit and do something with it. And blood will be on the hands of the propaganda system that sustains the entire Republican Party and President Trump. It is only a matter of time. Ugh. That is it for our show this week. If it's possible, I will record the spooktacular later on this weekend and give you a double blow of this stupid show. It depends. I'm going to a Halloween party tomorrow, uh, It's uh, and I'm going to meet cool people there. I love these people. I've met them before. Many of them, many of them work in film and television. So, you know, maybe, 
maybe I just won't come back because I'll finally get my big break and I won't have to do a podcast for 38 people anymore. (laughs) No, it's Halloween. It's not Christmas. There's no such thing as a Halloween miracle. Speaking of miracles, and it's a miracle as many of you listen to the show as you do, but you can help get more people to do to do in and counter the anti-Daves of this world by rating and reviewing the show wherever you get your podcast. All my nuggets of leftist indoctrination can be found on Twitter, the hell underscore podcast. And all the manifestos that are these shows are on SoundCloud at the show name and of course www.whatthehellpodcast.com. You can also find the show on Spotify. Just search for What the Hell Were You Thinking? So for me, Dave Chairman Malbledso, producer Trotsky I Gavin, and all the fictional pinkos on this show, we want to say after the bombs subside, and this campaign calls it for the night. We meet in the streets. Will we meet in the bar's cold light? Absolutely we will, because I'm buying a round for every fucking body. Because when the apocalypse comes, I'm going to be shit-faced. And so should you. We'll see you all next week. Will we meet in the streets? Will we meet in a bar's cold light? Grip at our hands that we hold just a little tight after the bombs, after the bombs subside. And after the rockets come. Tens and nearly dumb. We pinch at our skin and we wonder how we escaped harm. We forget all our trials, all there in our baby's arms. After the rockets, after the rockets come. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.